Good morning. How are you guys today? It's good to see you all on this snowy morning. Glad you could be here today. As Vicar mentioned a few minutes ago, we're going to talk just a little bit about a young boy that we heard about in our first lesson named Samuel. One of the very first things that we heard in that reading was that in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. You might know that the word rare means not very common, not very usual. So what exactly does that mean? Well, it means that God had not been speaking to his people through prophets for quite a while. But that does not mean that God had never spoken to his people. He had. In a few minutes, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the things God had said. The important thing for this children's devotion is that God was about to start talking to his people through a prophet again. And you might have guessed it, that prophet was going to be this little boy named Samuel. Samuel would grow up to be a man and God would speak to his people through the prophet Samuel for a long time. In fact, Samuel was even the one who anointed David king over Israel. Today we're going to talk about how wonderful it is, how kind our God is, that he would speak to us at all. That he would come to us in his word and he would help us to better understand the seriousness of our sin that we need forgiveness, that he would help us see that he has provided the forgiveness that we need through his son, Jesus. Today we're going to talk about how awesome it is to see the kindness of our God shown to you and me in the simple fact that he talks to us, that he loves us enough to tell us the truth. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, We thank you for loving us enough to speak to us through the prophets of old, to come to us in the word, to show us our sin, and to show us our need for a Savior. We thank you for being that Savior that we need, dear Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Our gospel lesson for this morning comes from John chapter 1. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the word of our God. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. Our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. 
We're going to have some fun with connections this morning. We're going to make some connections between the the different readings that we have and a number of other portions of God's Word. And we're going to start with that Old Testament lesson about Samuel. So you already heard it uh, in the children's devotion again. There's that opening detail that's really significant. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. What you haven't heard yet is what the Lord asked Samuel to say. So in the verses following that text, once Samuel's listening to the Lord, the Lord tells him that he needs to go and tell Eli, the the man under whom he was being raised and under whom he was serving, that it was all over for Eli. Eli had not been a a faithful father. He had not disciplined his sons well. And so they were going to die and he was going to die And this little boy, the prophet Samuel, that's the first message from the Lord that he has to go share, a hard message. But at the end of that section, we hear these words. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word, and Samuel's word came to all Israel. So the section begins with the word of the Lord was rare and the section ends saying, now the word of the Lord is back. Back for his people through the prophet Samuel. And so where I wanted to begin was just to take a few minutes to review, well, what word of the Lord did they have before the Lord started coming back to them through Samuel again? So if you have a a good timeline in your mind, you'll, you'll remember that Samuel's right before David, and David is almost 500 years after Moses. So they had the books of Moses. The first five books of the Bible, often referred to as the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And you remember that Genesis begins with the story of how we got here, the story of creation, how God created the world through his word. And then, of course, right after that, the fall into sin and the promise to send a savior, the one who would crush the serpent's head. And then you have the first murder, and then you have the flood, and then you have the Tower of Babel, and then you have Abraham. And there's these four really important promises that God makes to Abraham. The first one is that he would have a son. The second one is that his son would turn into a great nation of people. The third one, that his people, his descendants, would receive a land of their own to live in. And the fourth one, the promise of a savior. The same savior that God promised to Adam and Eve when they fell, but a little more detail, through him, every nation on earth would be blessed. And that him would be one of Abraham's descendants. So there's these four promises, son, nation, land, savior. Those four needed to be fulfilled. You could say the first five books are really the story of those first three promises being fulfilled. Pretty soon, Abraham has the son. The rest of the books are the nation being developed. It took time for all those people to be born. And then Exodus, of course, they're leaving Egypt. Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, they're wandering in the desert. And then they finally are going to get that land of their own to to live in. It's that sixth book of the Bible, the book of Joshua, where they enter into the land and they conquer it. But you might remember that they didn't 
do what they were supposed to do. They didn't conquer the land, really. They, they were supposed to drive every other nation out, but they left some there. And that's what the book of Judges is about. Now, we don't know if the book of Judges had been written down yet because it was still kind of happening as Samuel comes onto the scene, but they for sure had the first six books of the Bible, the story of promises one, two, and three being fulfilled, and now they're waiting for promise four. The word of the Lord had been rare. But now that the word of the Lord comes back, the people need to be reminded why they need promise four, why they need a savior. And so the work of the prophets would often be focused on just that, showing God's people why they needed this one descendant of Abraham through whom every nation on earth would be blessed. In Psalm 139, which we just sang a a few minutes ago, you heard these words. You search, O God, the reaches of my heart. You see what all my dreams and secrets are. You know before I leave what road I'll take. You know before I speak what I will say. I cannot hide behind a proud facade. You see the me behind the mask, O God. Through prophets, God's people needed to be reminded of the truth. That God knows everything about you. You could put a mask on, you can hide behind a a proud facade, but God sees right through it. God sees what I'm really like. God sees what you're really like. God sees inside your head and inside your heart. God sees the, the, the dirty thoughts and God sees the selfish motives. God sees everything about us. That's the truth. We can't hide. Then this is going to seem a little out of left field at first, but it's going to make a lot of sense in a, in a minute. This is from the prophet Zephaniah. Take a listen to what God said to his people through the prophet Zephaniah. Then I will purify the lips of the peoples, that all of them may call on the name of the Lord and serve him shoulder to shoulder. From beyond the rivers of Cush, my worshipers, my scattered people, will bring me offerings. On that day, you, Jerusalem, will not be put to shame for all the wrongs you have done to me. Because I will remove from you your arrogant boasters. Never again will you be haughty on my holy hill. But I will leave within you the meek and the humble. The remnant of Israel will trust in the name of the Lord. They will do no wrong and they will tell no lies. A deceitful tongue will not be found in their mouths. They will eat and lie down and no one will make them afraid. Sing, daughter Zion, shout aloud, Israel, Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. I wanted to review with you some of the words of the prophets. Because this is what Philip and Nathaniel had. Philip and Nathaniel had the whole Old Testament picture. They had Torah, they had Joshua, they had Judges, they had Samuel, they had David, they had the Psalms and all the prophets. 
They knew who they were. They knew God knew who they were. And then they had promises like this, that by the grace of God, the kingdom of Israel was gonna come and be with them and they were gonna be forgiven and never again need to be afraid. In our gospel lesson, Jesus comes to Philip and says, follow me. And then what does Philip do? He goes and he tells Nathanael, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. That is a loaded statement. He's saying the one that the entire Old Testament is about, the one that we've been waiting for. We've found him. You ready for it? Here he is. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now just let it sink in how big of a claim this is. Philip is making a huge claim about Jesus. And Nathaniel responds, is this sarcasm? Is this trust? It's hard to know. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Some think he's being sarcastic. Some think he's kind of surprised, but trusting that, wow, I guess something good can come from Nazareth. Regardless, what does Philip say? Come and see for yourself. Now, what do you think he meant by that? Come and take a look at him? The minute you see him with your eyes, you're gonna know that's the one? No. Come and see for yourself. Come and compare him, what you see, what you hear, what he says. Compare that to what Moses wrote and to what the prophets wrote, and then you'll see for yourself. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Did you catch it when I read through Zephaniah? Then the remnant of Israel will trust in the name of the Lord. They will do no wrong. They will tell no lies. A deceitful tongue will not be found in their mouths. What is Jesus saying about Nathanael? He's saying to Nathanael, you, Nathanael, are one of the people prophesied by God through Zephaniah. You are one of the remnant. You are one of the true Israel who would believe in God's promised Messiah, the king. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the king of Israel, is with you. You, Nathaniel, are one of the ones who would believe in me. You, Nathaniel, are one of the ones who's been waiting for me, who will see me for who I am and who will never be afraid again. And Nathaniel says, how do you know me? Jesus said, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. This is hard for us because we don't know exactly what Jesus is talking about here, but it seems very clear from Nathaniel's reaction. Jesus did not see Nathaniel with his eyes. That Nathaniel's convinced Jesus is demonstrating something here he could not have possibly known. And Nathaniel 
seems to have Zephaniah 3 in mind when he says, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Philip and Nathaniel were waiting for the Messiah. They were waiting for the one that Moses and the prophets talked about in the Old Testament. And they compared what they saw and heard to what God had been saying all those years throughout the Old Testament word. And now, Philip and Nathaniel are both convinced this is the one. This is the Messiah. This is the king that God promised. Remember, we're in the season of epiphany. This is all about the aha moment that Jesus really is the savior God promised. And these two have just had that aha moment. They've compared the word of God with the Jesus standing in front of them who they see and who they hear and they're convinced this is the one. And what does Jesus say? You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than that. Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. That's a really cool callback. You remember Jacob who deceived his brother Esau? Jacob the deceiver? Who while on the run feared fearing for his life, lay down to sleep and saw heaven opened with angels ascending and descending and God himself providing the way to heaven. Jacob was a liar and a deceiver. He goes off, he gets married, gets married a second time, has a bunch of kids, and then finally comes back to meet his brother, the one he deceived, And when he comes back, he wrestles with the Lord, holding God to his promises, holding God to to the promises that he made to Abraham, his grandfather, and then again to him. And God changes his name to Israel because Jacob held God to his promises. He's no longer known as the deceiver. He's known as the one who holds God to his promises. It had always been about opening access to heaven. It had always been about giving deceivers like Jacob, sinners like Jacob, access to eternal life with the Father. And here Jesus says, that's me. I'm the one who's going to open heaven to every sinner. I'm the one who's going to see behind the mask. I'm the one who's going to see through the proud facade. I'm the one who's going to see the sinner for who they really are. I'm the one who's going to forgive them and love them and make them the true Israel. Make them ones who hold me to my promises. Jesus says, that's me. You're going to see me not just know where you were under a tree, but open the path to heaven for every sinner. How cool is that? God in his infinite wisdom has chosen to use people, 
people who know the grace of God shown to each of us as individuals. People like me who knows the grace of God shown to me, who sees through the proud facade, who sees behind the mask and loves me anyway. To share this message with you, people just like me, come and see. That's what we've done this morning. We've come to see that Jesus is the one Moses wrote about. Jesus is the one the prophets promised. And now you have the same privilege. You and I get to be Philip. We get to go to the Nathaniels in our lives and say, come and see. Come and see for yourself that Jesus is the one God promised. It's not just a great teacher. He's the king. The king himself with us who's come to open heaven for us. Don't believe me? Don't take my word. Take God at his. Come and see for yourself. Amen.